thank you for joining us for the study of God's Word today. Grab a Bible and listen carefully as God will be speaking to us through His Word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Good morning. I love Communion Sundays. It's never, it's never, we never outgrow the opportunity, the need, the need to go back to what is most essential of our faith, which is Christ crucified. And that's what we celebrated, have celebrated this morning, that Christ went to the cross and he died for our sins. And we take the opportunity and we meditate on his sacrifice for us. We take the opportunity to reflect on any sin in our lives right now that we may need to confess to him. And we take the opportunity to, by forgiveness and trusting in the forgiveness of God through Christ, to be made right again. John, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. This is a promise from the Lord. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Essentially, that's our message this morning as we get into Galatians. Uh, I'll read the passage, Galatians 3, verses 1 to 14. Turn there, please, with me. We'll spend most of our time there. Paul, in this passage, does cite a bunch of different verses throughout the Old Testament. We'll focus primarily on Galatians, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3. He starts off intensely. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? or by hearing with faith. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you does so by works, does he do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. 
Let's review some context. The letter of Galatians was written to combat a specific heresy. Pastor Mike has shared with us um, many times there were a couple of different heresies, kind of two significant categories in the New Testament that the letters were written about. Uh, One kind of category of heresy is what we call the heresy of license. That is, now that we're forgiven, completely forgiven by God's grace, we receive it by faith, and we don't live according to the works of the law, well, then we can just live however we want. And that's not Paul's main focus in the letter of Galatians. This question is addressed thoroughly elsewhere in the New Testament, but that's not his main focus. The main heresy in question has to do with the heresy of legalism, which is, okay, it's great that we trusted in Christ, but now that we're in Christ, we have to do everything that God wrote in the law of Moses. That's in the Old Testament. We have to do everything or we won't end up being right with God. And so this was the question that the churches of Galatia were grappling with. The Galatian churches were a cluster of churches in in cities in southern Turkey, what is modern-day southern Turkey. And Paul had just returned from planting these churches. He had spent a significant amount of time, established these churches, and and they were growing in their faith. And in the midst of this, there were some folks who came in who were of a Jewish background faith, and they also trusted in Christ. So they said, and there was a mixture of Gentile believers who had just come to God through Christ by faith, and then there were these Jewish background believers. And the Jews, they said, well, if you're believing in God, then you have to do everything that God says in the law of Moses. You have to get circumcised, and you have to follow the law. So this is the context that we're dealing with. And so the main question in Galatians is, now that we're followers of God, how do we live? Do we live like the Judaizers said? Do we have to live according to the law? Or is it as Paul is saying, and we live by faith? And that's the question that we get to hear the further explanation of the answer today. So our two main options are by works of the law, and by faith. So I, I want you to all take your left hand and make a fist like you're really strong and say, by works of the law. Say, by works of the law. And then I want you to take your right hand and lift it up like you're going to take or receive something like you need help and say, by faith. So these are the two ways of living. So... As we get into this, I want to encourage you. Uh, I've been challenged in uh, my quiet times lately with some of the guys uh, by the verse of James 122. Uh, James says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so um, as we sit before the word of God today, and this, I challenge myself too in the midst of this, I want us all to take one thing away. If there's more, that's fine. But I want everyone to take one thing away that changes a change of how you think about God, something that you're going to do, or somebody that you're going to tell about this. So we want to take action. If we sit here together, this includes me, even as I'm sharing the Word of God, as we all sit in the presence of God, uh, worshiping Christ and Christ crucified, learning about life in the Spirit, learning about living by faith. We need to not simply soak it in and enjoy it, because the Word of God is pleasurable, 
but we want to go out from here and take action. So that's just a challenge to myself and to you all as well. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. So take something away from, from the word this morning to take action on today or this week. Okay, once again, left hand. We're talking about living by works of the law. Say works of the law. The main idea in this section of our passage today is that works of the law lead to the curse of the law. That's the only outcome. He comes in intensely with strong language in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Then again in verse 3, are you so foolish? And then verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain? Another way to say that is, everything that you've been through, is it for nothing? Is this all a waste of time? And as he talks about the works of the law, the main point of living by works of the law is that you have to do it. And Paul says, there's no way around this. You don't get to follow Moses' law halfway or try a little bit harder. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of spending some time with Caleb Harrelson and some of the students at the It's Your World conference hosted at First Baptist. Uh, Caleb was leading the World Religions track, and he provided some training for the students, and then they split up into small groups and went to have conversations try to share the gospel, and also learn about the worldview of people with different faiths. Uh, some of the folks, some of the groups talked to Buddhists, some talked to Mormons, and I got to help lead the group that spoke with an imam, that is a, a Muslim leader of the faith. And it became extremely clear as we talked to this man that his, his, the faith that he's teaching is God will... God will accept you. He'll forgive your bad things if you show that you're trying hard to do the right thing. If you try to make things right and do enough good things, then God will let you off the hook. And I was grappling with the idea because what we are taught is that every sin has to be paid for in full. And that you have to keep the whole law or, it's, or if you break it, then you're done. And that's what Paul is saying here. And he quotes, he quotes the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 27, 26, Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say amen. In this section, Moses is providing a sermon, and he is receiving instructions from the Lord. When the people get into the land, they're supposed to, uh, some tribes go stand on one mountain, and other tribes go stand on another mountain. And they're supposed to proclaim on one mountain the curses, on, on the other, the blessings. Curses would be, they're calling on God's curses down on them if they break the covenant of the law. And blessings, they're calling down God's blessings if they keep them. And in the conclusion of the curse section, we find this verse, Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And so the main emphasis is that if you're going to live by works of the law, remember, works of the law, then you have to do them. You have to do every single thing. There's no halfway about it. There's no fudging it. There's no, well, God's going to be nice to you if, you if he sees that you're trying hard. He knows that you're human and that you mess up. The standard is perfection. 
You have to do every single thing. If your goal in being justified or being seen as right with God is to prove that you're good enough, you have to do every single thing. In order to be justified with God, in verse 12, but the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. So if your way of life, if our way of life is we need to live according to the works of the law, we need to live according to God's expectations, then we have to live according to every single expectation. And if you fall short in any single way, then the curse comes down on us. That's pretty intense. If we are successful, which I think we can all agree, nobody is successful in living according to every single instruction of God's law. But if, we, if it was possible to be successful, if we were successful, then Jesus died for no reason because perfection is achievable, right? If we can actually do everything that is written in God's law, then Jesus died in vain. And what we celebrated this morning was basically just a nice symbol of, of you know, someone giving something up and sacrifice, but it doesn't, Jesus didn't really need to die. There was no reason for Jesus to die for us. But the reality is, is that we cannot be successful in this. Verse 12, but the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. And verse 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the, in the book of the law and do them. So again, way number one, we live by works of the law. That's what he says here, for all who rely on works of the law. But the natural outcome is that we all will fall short. We all will break one of God's commands in one way or another. If you think about God's commands from the framework of the Ten Commandments, everyone has broken the Ten Commandments. If you think about even, even more intensely what Jesus does with God's commands, he says, you've heard it said that you shall not murder. Well, I say if you hate your brother in your heart, you've already murdered him. And so, or you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lustful intent, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. And so Jesus takes what is a code of conduct in the works of the law. Now, there was, there was more, to it that, than, more to it in that than just that, but primarily the law was a code of conduct. But Jesus takes it and throws the standard up, up into heaven, completely, utterly unattainable. Again, going back to uh, the, our conversation with the imam yesterday, he said that, well, things that are in your mind really only have to do with temptation, and what matters is what we actually do. So if you don't actually commit adultery, or if you don't actually murder, then you haven't actually sinned. But Jesus takes the knife and cuts deeper into our hearts, and when he opens up our hearts, he exposes how rotten it is inside. And he takes the standard of God and throws it into heaven so that we have this massive disparity. When I read the Sermon on the Mount, I tend to not feel good about myself. And I think that's Jesus' point, because he's preparing our hearts for the cratering need that we have for his sacrifice. He takes a standard and he throws it completely unattainably up into heaven, that every thought, every desire that we have must be in line with God's law. 
God sees our hearts and he judges our hearts. And that should cause us to tremble if our desire is to rely on works of the law. Because we know, we, we know there's, we have this sense of guilt, we have this sense of shame, we have this awareness that something is not right with me. And that sense of, un, of, of not being okay at a minimum of, of guilt and shame is because we are broken and sinful people. And that's God's conviction on us that we are under God's curse when we're relying on works of the law. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. The word abide uh, is the same word that Jesus uses in John 15 when he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Uh, this is the same passage where he talks about um, that the vine, that the, the branches abide in the vine, which is himself, and so bear much fruit. So the idea is that we're living and staying within Jesus in John 15. So how it's used here in Galatians 3.10, if our desire is to live according to the code, live by works of the law, the only logical outcome is that we will fail and we will experience all the shame and guilt and consequences of failure, which is being under God's curse. This idea of God's curse reminds me also of Galatians 1, where Paul is talking about those purveyors of the false gospel. He says, even if we or an angel of heaven should proclaim to you a gospel different than that which was proclaimed to you, let him be accursed. The word there was anathema, and the word here is a little bit different, but the idea is the same, that God's curse is a, is a fearful and terrifying thing to be under. And unless, if our desire is to be justified by our behavior, the only outcome is that we will be under God's curse. So that's option one, works of the law. Say, works of the law. Option two, now that we're, we've come to faith and, or that we've come to God, is living by faith. <clears throat> Lift up your hand and say, live by faith. The main idea for this way of life is by believing that Christ redeemed me, by becoming cursed for me, I am made right with God by faith. This faith is like Abraham's faith. And so by faith I have received the blessing of the promised spirit to be a blessing to all nations. So there's a lot in here, but let's break it down. The first thing is when we live by faith, it's by faith. And that's how we first, first come to God. That's Paul's main point in Galatians 2.16. And he really pounds it in there. He says basically the same thing three times in a row. The word justification means to be made right with God. And Paul says in Galatians 2.16, we know that justification cannot happen by works of the law. And we just talked about that. You cannot attain to God's standard, and so we cannot be made right with God by trying to live by that. So God has provided another way, which is apart from works of the law, which is by faith. So we are made right with God by faith. Now, what is faith? Um, Faith we use in a lot of different ways in our society. Again, referring back to yesterday, we interacted with people of different faiths. But those other faiths all come back to actually 
works. I heard someone say works, and I appreciate that feedback because that's exactly what it comes down to. Believing in yourself. Believing that you can do enough good to be okay. Whether that with the Buddhist is some enlightened consciousness or whether that's with the Muslim to show that you're trying to be good so God will let you off the hook. Every other faith is actually believing in yourself. But the faith that we proclaim of Christ crucified is that Jesus did enough for us and he took the punishment. It is trusting and receiving the gift of grace. It's not about what we do. It's about trusting God. And this is where we bring in the analogy, or I should say Paul brings in the comparison of Abraham. And this is really significant. Abraham, as you all may know, was the first patriarch of the Jews. And so these Judaizers, if they, if they wanted to claim status and authority, they would refer back to Moses or to uh, Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, one of the original founders of their nationality and of their faith. But really, everything started with Abraham in, in Genesis 12. And there, God appears to, well, he just speaks to Abraham. And he says, go, leave your parents and go to the land that I will show you. There's no GPS coordinates. There's no Google map there. He just says, pack up your life. Leave all the safety and security and comfort of your family and Ur of the Chaldees and just go. And Abraham just obeys. He listens to God and he goes. And God also in that time provides him a promise. And I will make you great, a great nation, and you will be blessed. And Abraham says, okay, I believe you, Lord. And he falls. Sometime later, he's grappling with this promise because God had promised that he would make him a great nation, but Abraham has no kids. How can he become a great nation if he has no kids? And uh, he thinks, well, maybe it's going to be Eliezer, or he tries this thing, and Abraham and Sarah, they get complicated, and they end up with Ishmael. But God says, no, it's going to be through you and Sarah, you will have a child. And in Genesis 15, we get the verse, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And this is one of the key verses that Paul himself goes back to again and again. Abraham preceded the law. So everything that these Judaizers were talking about, about following the law of Moses, and that came after. How Abraham himself, the patriarch, was made right with God was by faith. He trusted, that, took God at his word and received, received God's word and believed God. And it was only that. He believed God, and he was reckoned as righteous. Of course, in Galatians, this has been one of the main points. How are we made right with God? It's by faith, by trusting in him. So what are the results of this justification? Do we then receive, you know, kind of a, a clean slate from God? Is this what our lives look like now? And now it's our job to make sure that we keep the slate clean in our own strength? Or do we continue to live by faith? So the question, again, was, do we have to keep this strong by works of the law, in our own strength, in our flesh? We have to try harder and do everything to remain perfect according to God's rules and expectations. Or do it, is it different? Is 
the way of life after coming to God different. And, and Paul is saying it is different. It's we walk by the Spirit. So going back to Abraham, um, God had provided this promise of a blessing. Galatians 3.8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. And we might wonder, why does Paul bring in this theme of the nations and the Gentiles? Well, that's because it was the main question at hand. We have these Gentile believers. They say they follow God now. Uh, they seem to be giving up idols and stuff like that, so that's good. But now, how should they live? Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the good news beforehand. The word there is uh, pro-euangelion. So euangelienzo, or evangelize, the God, or through the scriptures, preached the gospel beforehand. He was proclaiming the good news beforehand to all nations. That would be me and you. Uh, I know that as far as I know, I don't, I don't have any Jewish heritage. And so the promises to Abraham wouldn't directly apply to me. And that's true for much of the world. That's true for actually billions of people who have never heard the good news about Jesus. But God proclaims good news beforehand that all these people will, will have the opportunity to, to be justified, not by becoming Jewish and following God's expectations, but by simply trusting in the good news of Christ. In uh, Revelation 7, 9, John the Apostle, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels who were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. God started with Abraham and said, believe in me. And Abraham believed, and it was counted as righteousness. That's justification. Thank God blessed Abraham. And he said, through you, I bless everybody in the world. And that includes you and me right now. God's salvation plan, if we start with what he was telling Abraham, started with this blessing. And it will be expanded to, throughout the whole world. This is such an amazing purpose and mission that when we trust in Jesus, first of all, we get to be made right with God, and then we're given a purpose, and that is to, to be part of God blessing all nations. That's just incredible. It blows my mind that we would have the privilege, the opportunity to participate in God's plan to make his name great to all nations. There before the throne, as we see Jesus, our Savior, 
the Lamb of God, like John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every single person has a sin problem, and that's what the Galatians are dealing with, and that's what we deal with. And how I know everybody has a sin problem? Everybody dies. The wages of sin is death. With the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus. As an ICU nurse, I saw a lot of people die. And I came to the conclusion, based on observation and the testimony of everybody who's ever lived, the mortality rate for living is 100%. Everybody dies. And everybody dies because everybody sins. We, as humanity, have this massive problem. But here, we behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we get to participate in bringing all the nations in. We ourselves are part of that harvest. We ourselves are part of the nations that God is bringing in. And he calls us to participate in extending this blessing. When it says in Galatians 3.1, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is how we are made right with God. And this is what we proclaim. And then also in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So backing up, all of us by nature have an inclination to live by works of the law. And whether that's specifically the Mosaic law or whether that's some kind of other sense of expectations, God's standard that we have to live up to, we have this inclination to want to do it by ourselves and to live according to our own way. And that these are equivalent things, living by the flesh and by works of the law, we see in verse, uh, verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So, okay, remember our, our heresy that we're dealing with, the legalistic heresy is, okay, it's fine that you've come to Christ, but now you have to muscle up and do everything according to the law, according to your own strength. No, that's crazy, says Paul. That's, that's insanity. If we came to Christ through the Spirit, then we will live by the Spirit. And the Spirit, receiving the Spirit, is the blessing that God promised to us and that we are heirs of. Okay, so if Abraham was our forefather according to the faith, whether we're Jew or whether we're Gentile, Paul says we are sons of God if we have faith. We are sons of Abraham if we are, have faith like Abraham. So Abraham, remember, he just up and left Ur of the Chaldees, and then later on he said, God, you're going to give me a son. I'm ancient. My wife's no, no younger, but I believe you. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. If we had that kind of faith, if we, live, if we live by faith, trusting God on his word, then we will be sons of Abraham, sons and daughters of Abraham, and we will receive the blessing of, of Abraham. And what does that look like? That looks like having a new way of life, of living by the Holy Spirit. Once again, in verse 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is a rhetorical question. Obviously, that cannot happen. Paul also points to this thing of living by the Spirit. He actually points to the evidence of the Spirit's work in the Galatians' life as proof that 
they have to keep living by the Spirit and not by works of the law. And this reminds me when Peter came to Cornelius, which was the first time that Gentiles were accepted by faith. We told the story earlier, before in Acts 10. Um, Peter was called to the house of this Gentile centurion, who was a God-fearing guy, but he was not, certainly not Jewish in the way that he lived. And Peter was a good Jewish boy and never ate pork and never sat down at a table with a Gentile person. But God challenged that, that way of thought and said, go, I'm proclaiming this man is clean in Christ. And so Peter says, okay, and he goes and he shares the good news about Jesus with this Gentile. And as he's sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes down on Cornelius and all his household. And there is clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is living and transforming in, within these Gentile believers. So the same had happened for these believers in the Galatian churches. Uh, they had the Holy Spirit within them. And so they were fully aware that they had the Holy Spirit, and Paul points to this as evidence that they've received the blessing of God and that they really are justified. So my question then is, do you know the Holy Spirit's work in your life? The Holy Spirit, for example, his work is that he convicts us of sin. And this isn't a shaming, humiliating kind of thing. The Holy Spirit gently convicts us of sin so that we will turn to God. We know something's wrong and we're looking for help. He convicts us of, of righteousness, that he points to Christ and testifies to our hearts that Jesus is the way and the, the cross of Christ is sufficient and satisfies the wrath of God, fixes our wrath problem, fixes our sin problem, and we can be right with God. He convicts us of our new status as God's children. He intercedes for us. He prays for us. Do you know the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart? If so, you can know that you really are right with God. The voice of God by the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. In Romans 8, he cries out with our hearts, Abba, Father, there's something in you that you know. You know God as your Father. You know Jesus personally because of the work of the Holy Spirit. If you've, if you've experienced that, if you know that, then, then you are right with God and you have the blessing of the Spirit in your life. If you don't know that, then I might challenge you, have you really trusted in Jesus? Have you given up living by works of the law in your own strength? Or, or have, you, have you given that up and instead trusted that you can only be right with God through faith? So if you don't know the Holy Spirit's work in your life, transforming you, making you more into the likeness of Christ, making you more in love with him, then I challenge you, give up living according to works of the law and trust in Jesus. So that's our first application, that we must trust in Jesus. We have to let go, let go of our own way of living, whether that's by the flesh or living according, trying to live up to God's standards. Remember, to do every single one. What a burden. What a crushing weight. No, the Lord has provided a way to be made right with him that's apart from that. The law is not of faith. But he has provided a means of being made right with him, which is by faith. So trust in Jesus 
and then experience the blessing of life in the Spirit. And that's Paul's message in, in this chapter. We live by faith now. We live by the Spirit. So we have these two ways of living. Remember, works of the law and then living by the Spirit. The other way of seeing works of the law is in the flesh. Later on in Galatians 5, we see walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So Paul makes it even more explicit. These are two different lifestyles. And if you're trying to live up to God's expectations in your own strength or to be made right or be okay in your own strength, then it will just result in more sin. But instead, if as we go through life, we are seeking to be led by the Holy Spirit. We listen to the Word of God, we trust Him, and we are led by the Spirit. Then He will produce the fruit of the Spirit. He will produce transformation in our character. We will become more like Christ. So it's not that we just live however we want after we come to Christ. No, we live by the Spirit. This is the new life that God has for us. This is the blessing that we receive by faith. Just as Abraham was blessed, the privilege that we get is that we get God's Spirit living within us. We don't have to be crushed under the weight of living under expectation, God's expectations. But by faith, we seek the Holy Spirit, and He will guide us, and He will teach us, and He will show us what we have to do. And we get to experience the joy and transformation of His work in our character. God also provides a mission for us, and that's also here evident in our text, verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. So as we know, we continue to struggle with sin in this life. We will die a physical death. But the hope that we have is that we know the Holy Spirit's work in our life, and that is a stamp of God's, God's ownership over us. When we've trusted in Him, we get the Holy Spirit, and that's a stamp, a guarantee, a promise that we are in Christ. And the same Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will raise us also. And so our hope is that we get to have eternal life with all nations before the throne of the Lamb of God. And it's not just that we're sitting here enjoying the blessing, us ourselves, in our personal lives, and man, I'm blessed. No, we are blessed to be a blessing. That's what God told Abraham at the outset, and that's what Paul continues to bring forth here. Verse 8, God foreseeing that God, Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles or the nations by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand. And again in 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles or to the nations. By God's mercy, he moves his Holy Spirit and uses his people. That's every one of you who trusts in Christ. That's me and that's you. We get to be part of God's purpose, God's mission to make the Lamb of God known to all peoples. This isn't some crushing or scary thing. Well, maybe it is scary because it involves giving up our own way. And you have, we have to be willing to count the cost and say, I'm going to let go of my own strength. 
I'm going to let go of trying to live up to God's expectations in my own strength. I know that is failure. Thank the Lord that he sent his son to become a curse for us so that I don't have to experience that curse. And we continue to walk in Christ crucified. We continue to know that we are right with God. And from there, as we go, that's in the Great Commission, as we go through our lives, we are on mission to make his name great, to be a blessing. We are blessed. We have the Holy Spirit. If you know the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. It's this kind of thing. Like, if you, if you know the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. He works in your heart. He's changing you. He has changed you. Yes, you don't look like Jesus yet, but you, you, you know him. And you want people to know Jesus and have the Holy Spirit too. The lifestyle that we have now is a life in the Spirit. And it's a life of joy, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Amen. For the first application, trust in Jesus. This is not a message simply for those who haven't believed, although it is for them also, but also for those who uh, have believed already. So whether you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, I challenge you, trust in him, there is life, and you get the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And if you have known Jesus and have known the work of the Spirit, we don't outgrow that need. We continue to need to come on a regular basis through communion and in our daily lives, in confession and in worship. Jesus, you died for my sins. Thank you. Thank you for making me right with God. And the Holy Spirit convicts us, yes, we are God's children. First application, trust in Jesus. Second, live by faith now. We continue to live in this way of trusting in the Lord. So we gave up by works of the law. Say, by works of the law. And we live by faith. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will, he will guide you through, through life, and he will make you more and more like Jesus. Paul will unpack this more as we, as we go. So I encourage you to come back and hear more about what life in the Spirit looks like. But in the meantime, this is the privilege, this is the joy, that we get to be blessed by God, just like Abraham, and we are blessed to be a blessing. If um, this has provoked any thoughts or there's anything else that you want to share, I encourage you after service, the uh, Pastor Mike and uh, the elders who are here will be here with me, and we can answer your questions and pray with you, share with you. The Lord is good, and he wants to call us into his kingdom. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you became cursed for us. The curse that was written in the law, that everyone who was hanged on, the, on a tree, a humiliating public spectacle for a capital sin would be under your curse. And you voluntarily signed up and took God's curse so that we don't have to bear it anymore. Father, thank you that we get to be your children. We praise you, and we are so grateful to you that you've brought us into your kingdom, not based on anything that we've done, our own merits or strivings or efforts, not in our own strength or flesh, but that you have made a way through Christ, and we simply have to receive it only by faith, trusting that Jesus is the way.
you have made a way for us to be right with you, and we are right with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in each person's heart. If there are folks in this room who have never trusted in you, oh Lord, Holy Spirit, open their eyes that they can know the sweet joy of being made right with you, of being your children through Christ. The conviction that you, we are your beloved, just as Jesus was the beloved Son of God. When you see us, you don't see us under the curse or as failures, which in our own strength, that's what we are. Lord, if this lie has been perpetuating into each of our hearts, as I know too often it has in mine, and I've suffered under it, that I need to live up to people's expectations or your expectations in order to be okay. And if we are living right now striving to live up to expectations and in our own strength, Holy Spirit, convict us of that sin and help us to turn to you once again, to live by faith and to live by the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, move in us that we can experience the joy and the blessing of life in you. And Lord, I pray that you would use every one of us to make your name known, make your name great throughout all nations. We are so delighted to have the opportunity to stand before your throne in awe and worship before the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And I pray, O Lord, that you would, by the Spirit, guide each one of us into the things that you have for us to do, each one of us in our own lives, and all of us together as we fellowship together as the body of Christ. Help us to grow more and more together into your likeness, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.